Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. As you know, this is the chapter where David confronts the giant Goliath, and I will not read the entirety of the story, but I want to drop down to verse 43. And I rely upon our familiarity with this story. But let's go to verse 43. And the Philistines said unto David, Am I a dog that thou comest to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And David said to da- or the Philistine said to David, Come to me. I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and to the beast of the field. Then David said, or David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel whom thou hast defied. This day, Will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee, and I will give the carcass of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowl of the air, and to the wild beast of the earth, and all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with a sword and a spear. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. And I want you to note that. Verse 47, and all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. Praise God. I want for the Lord to to move in this service here this morning. I want him to help us as we face a new year, as we begin and embark upon a new beginning here. And, And new beginnings are always interesting. They're always intriguing. They're always exciting. To know that we get to start out the new year is a wonderful thing. Praise God. I want us to do it armed with the Holy Ghost, with the power of God. I want us to put on the whole armor. I want us to do what the Lord wants us to do in this hour. Praise God. Would you lift your hands with me? Let's pray for His anointing, His Spirit to minister in this place here today. Jesus, we look to you once again, praying, God, for your help, knowing, Lord, that without you we can do nothing at all. We're incapable without the anointing and the power of the Holy Ghost working in our lives. I'm praying, God, that you would touch through this service today and minister to every heart and every life that is gathered here. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we thank you for it. Amen and amen. Would you clap your hands to him?
Thank you for standing. You may be seated. I'm going to briefly go through this story, again, relying upon your familiarity with it, but uh, just kind of give you a thumbnail sketch until I get down to the point of where I really want to preach here this morning. Of course, you know that the Philistine Goliath was defying and he was challenging, the Scripture says, the armies of God, the Israelites. These were God's people. This was an enemy that they were accustomed to fighting. Yet this giant, as the Bible calls him, a champion, this man was a formidable foe that had struck fear in the hearts of God's people. And so the battle, or the so-called battle, was at a standstill. There was an encampment of the Israelites on one side of the valley and the Philistines on the other, and the battle was supposed to ensue in that valley, but there was no battle really going on. They were just at a standstill. And this sort of aggravates me as I read this story because I do not feel like it's the will of God for His people to be intimidated. I don't feel like it's the will of God for His people to live and operate and succumb to fear or to the tactics of the enemy. I know beyond any shadow of doubt that this is one of the ways of entry that the devil uses into people's lives is fear. This is, this is one of the things that he uses because as long as fear is in our hearts, faith can never operate. Faith can never be released because it's the very opposite of faith. Fear is. And as long as fear exists, we cannot believe God to the level that we need to. And the devil knows this, so he strikes fear in the hearts of these people by using the booming voice of this very intimidating and imposing enemy of Israel, this giant Goliath. And David is sent by his father to go down and to check on his brethren who were a part of the army and to give supplies to them. And when he arrives expecting to see and to witness some of the action that is taking place, he is taken aback by the fact that there is really no battle going on at all. And he arrives at a time when you can hear the voice echoing through the valley of that giant as he is challenging and ridiculing and mocking the children of God and the armies of Israel, saying, Send me a man that I may fight with him. If that man wins, we'll serve him. And if I win, then you'll be our servants. And this seems like quite a deal to David because David has known of the long history that Israel has had with the Philistines. He's known of the battles ever since he was just a little boy. He's heard around the campfires all the tales that has been told about this enemy, the Philistines, and battles and skirmishes that has been fought against them. And he thinks to himself, well, perhaps this could finally be the end of it all. If somebody is to go down to that valley and take care of this giant, he has stated it, he's already said it, that we could be rulers over them and that they would be our servants. So 
maybe this long issue with the Philistines could be done and we could be over with it and we could go on with our lives and fight other enemies and take new territories and never have to deal with this again. And he begins to display a little bit of his discontentment with the fact that nobody is going down into the valley to accept the challenge of this giant, that nobody is willing to do warfare against this man because David is is believing that God is on their side. And with God on our side, how could we possibly be a loser? How could we possibly be defeated? This is a win-win situation as long as we are God's people and doing God's will and fighting God's battles. We know that he's going to go with us and that we're on the winning side. And why are we not engaging this enemy? If you're looking for a man to go, I'll go. And he is a young boy that is untried as far as the battlefield is concerned. And, and his brothers, they join together and they begin to ridicule him. And they begin to tell him that you need to mind your own business. They're angry with him because in reality he is showing them up. But David, when he heard this challenge go forth, there was something that welled up in his heart. He, he, he knew that, that it wasn't right that God's people would be in hiding. It was not right that they would be afraid. But they should march into that valley in faith and take this giant and have victory in the name of the Lord. I want you to note something at the outset of this message this morning. And that is that everybody, including these brothers of, of David and just about everyone besides David in this story, they refer to this giant in some intimidated fashion. They refer to him as a champion. They refer to him as an experienced one in battle. One that has fought these kind of wars from the time he was just a youth. They refer to him as a giant. But notice David never called Goliath a giant. Sometimes I think that we make a huge mistake in our appraisal of our problems. We sometimes magnify them and build them up. And in my estimation... I think it's a mistake when we give too much credit to the enemy. Amen. I've heard people say, well, we need to know our enemy. We need to know his tactics. I've heard a lot of people say that when they study spiritual warfare and, and refer to spiritual warfare that you've you got to know what you're up against. And, and I suppose there's a measure of that that is true. But there's entire books that have been written about the devil. And I've heard of sermon series about knowing your enemy, the devil that you're fighting. I don't know about you, but I would rather read and study about the power of the name of Jesus. I would rather hear a sermon about the power of the blood. Amen. I would rather hear preaching about God's delivering power and victory through the name of Jesus than I would to study up on Satan and his devices. 
I understand that we're not to be ignorant of his devices, but to go into an in-depth study about all of those things. Amen. I just happen to believe that if we know Jesus and if we have Jesus, We've been baptized in his name and filled with his spirit. We have more power. We have more authority. We have more dominion than the devil possesses. And we don't have to take the tuck head. We don't have to shy away. We don't have to run. We don't have to feel defeated. We don't have to walk away in disappointment. But we can know we can be victorious in whatever circumstance that confronts us in life. Whatever challenge that the devil brings against us, we know that we're more than conquerors through Christ Jesus, which strengthens us. Come on, let's give praise to the Lord. Amen. Let's give honor and glory unto God here today. Years ago, I heard about a book that was written that Satan is alive and well on planet Earth. I don't need to read a book to know that Satan is alive and well on planet Earth. All I got to do is just listen to the radio. All I got to do is just hear the news and the circumstances that are going on in our world. A world that is crime-ridden, a world that is terror-ridden, a war, war, a war that is taking place in the Middle East and around the globe against uh, uh, ISIS, and and all of these things tells me that the devil is alive and well. I don't need a book. I don't need to read uh, some type of literature to tell me that kind of thing. But I know that the devil is alive and well. But the Bible tells me that where sin doth abound, the grace of God doth that much more abound. That tells me that wherever the devil is active and wherever the devil is, uh, there's much more of God to talk about. There's much more of the glory of God to be thankful for. There's much more of the power of God that we can look to and have faith in and know that God is in control of our circumstances. I want to remind you of something that when Satan fell to the earth, that he took one-third of the angels with him. That still means that there's two-thirds. That means that there's, again, as more than what the devil has to attack and what the devil has to come against us with. We need to rejoice in the fact that there's twice as much for us as there is against us. You need to rejoice in the fact that God is on your side. You need to rejoice in the fact that there's victory and there's power through the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, clap your hands and let's give him praise together. So I believe we make a mistake when we call our Goliaths. And we all have them. I, I believe we make a mistake when we call them giants, when we magnify our problems and we emphasize our trials. Never did David call him a giant, but he called him what he was, a Philistine that defied the armies of the living God. You're something that is contrary to God and his will and his work and what he wants to do for his people. You're a hindrance to what God is endeavoring to do in the lives of the nation of Israel. And so therefore, you're an obstacle. 
and you must be dealt with. You're a challenger to the will of God, and that cannot stand. But we have to conquer you. We have to deal with you. I'm going to tell you, that's the way you need to face things in life is head on. Don't run from it. Don't, 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 don't shirk your responsibility when it comes to facing it. Don't, don't wait on somebody else to deal with it. But when you are confronted with a spiritual challenge, can I tell you that the devil is not going to give up. He's not going to back off just because you don't engage him. But that's a signal to him to only put a little bit more acceleration and a little bit more into his attack against you. And so you've got to stand up and bow your back and broaden your shoulders and make up your mind. I refuse to accept this as the final say. But I am coming against you, not in my own might, not in my own strength, not in my own ability, but I'm coming against you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You're an enemy that defies the armies of the living God. And that's all you are. So David said, I'll fight him. And he seeks permission from Saul. And you know how that Saul tries at first to tell him that he's not qualified. And then finally he just relents and says, basically, what do we got to lose? He's just a shepherd boy. He's not even really uh, enlisted in our army. He won't even be counted as a casualty if we if he turns up missing. He's just a shepherd boy. He doesn't have any experience on the battlefield. What do we got to lose? Send him out there if that's what he wants to do. And then he says, "Well, if you're going to go, uh, use my armor. At least at least take my armor." And he got suited up with the armor. And David said, "I, I can't I can't fight with this on because I haven't proven it." And uh, don't you ever think he was talking about that little slingshot when he said that I, when I went up against the lion and when I went up against the bear, I was able to take them and that I have proven this little slingshot and this is what brought me the victory. It wasn't the stones and it wasn't the strap of leather. It wasn't the slingshot that brought in the victory. But David knew that when the lion and when the bear came against me, what brought me the victory was my faith and my reliance and my dependence upon God. Amen. I was able to be victorious through the help of the Lord. And can I tell you, the same God that helped me with the lion and with the bear when they came to attack will also help me with this present-day challenge that I'm dealing with, with this giant called Goliath. I don't have anything to fear. The one thing that I have proven is the power that rests in our God. The one thing that I do know and have a testimony that I can bring you today, Saul, is the fact that God delivers his people, that God is with his people, and God is going to take care of his people. 
Oh, sometimes you got to look back to certain things in your life and testimonies that you have and, and conjure up situations where God answered prayer and God came through for you and God worked something out. And God, God made a way where there was no way at all and God healed and God delivered and God saved and God answered. Those are the things that you need to dwell on and look back to and meditate on. Don't meditate on the possibility of defeat. Don't Don't think about what could happen if you fail. Think about the things that God has done for you. That's what David did. He said if he could take care of a lion and a bear, if I could stand against those kind of odds, I know I have nothing to fear to walk down to this valley and confront a giant that defies the armies of the living God. I could go down there not in the source of my own strength, not relying upon a slingshot and a few stones, but I'm going in the name of the Lord. And when I go in the name of the Lord, I know that victory is certain. I know that I can overcome. I know that I will be a conqueror. Oh, I want to tell somebody today, if God ever answered you a prayer, if God ever came through for you, if you have a testimony of his healing, if you have a testimony of his salvation power, if you have a testimony that he's a deliverer, you can rely upon that. You can stand on that as you face whatever you're facing right now. You can look it square in the eyes and say, there's one thing that I have proven, and that is that God will come through for those that trust him, for those that believe him, for those that put their faith in him, for those that have confidence in him, he will come through for them. Come on, I know it's Sunday morning, folks, but there's somebody in this house that just needs to be reminded. Amen, there's a lot of things I haven't proven. There's a lot of things I don't know. There's a lot of things I'm unsure of, but there's one thing I'm certain of. That's that God, according to his word, when I call on his name, nothing is impossible for them that believe. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, we got some proven things in the church. We got some proven weapons. Amen. He said, I can't rely on this. I can't do it with with, with these armaments and your sword and 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 these are these are things that you have accomplished victory with. But I haven't I haven't proven these things myself. I can't rely on what you've done. I can't get by on your experience. You're a generation ahead of me and you've fought your own battles and you've won and you've received victory doing it your way. But you know what? This is a new generation and I can't depend upon the battles that you've won and the victories that you have under your belt. I've got to get some for myself. I can't live on your momentum, Saul. I can't get by on your reputation. I've got to develop one for myself. I've got to get this on my own. Oh, can I tell you that the scripture said in the book of Psalms uh, that this is the generation of them that seek the Lord. Can I tell you that every generation has to dig their own relationship with God out. Uh, Every generation is going to face new challenges. Uh, Every generation is going to face situations that they're going to have to overcome. They're going to have to get victory over. They're going to have to figure their way through. But I'm going to tell you we have some proven weapons uh, 
in the church that is that we know the power that's in the name. We know the power that's in the blood. We know the power that is in prayer. We know that worship, you can worship your way through just about anything. You can worship your way according to Scripture out of the prison house. You can worship your way through problems. You can worship your way through whatever might challenge you, whatever might come against you, whatever you might be faced with, if you'll just worship God and give praise to the Lord and forget about, forget about what anybody else may say, what anybody else may do. So you may think I need to do it this way, but I'm going to try a new way. I'm going to do it the way God wants me to do it. Come on, let's lift up our hands and let's give a little praise to God. It's not always pretty. Oh, but it's apostolic. Amen. It's biblical. It's right. Amen. David was always stepping outside of the box. That's why when he came into Israel dancing and shouting and rejoicing, and his wife looked down and said, What in the world are you doing? He said, I'm bringing the glory back. It doesn't matter how much you ridicule. I know this works because it's worked all of my life. Yes, 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 yes. Come on, let's give praise to the Lord. It's not pretty, but it's proven. David went out. Yeah, David went out, and the giant looked at him and said, What what am I, a dog, that you would come to me? A little lad of a boy with a slingshot in your hand. You see, the problem was is that Goliath would have known what to do had David come to him with normal implements of warfare, normal weapons. He would have known how to engage him. He would have known what to do with him if he came out there with a sword because this is a man that was experienced with confronting Challengers that came to him with swords and spears and normal armament. But can you see him scratching his head as he saw David coming down through the brush and cactus and tumbleweeds? And finally, he gets a good look at him. He says, My Lord, poor boy, ain't even got any. Armament at all, no shield, no spear. I mean, how, how does he feel? I mean, look at him. He's big as a minute. How is he going to come against me? And don't you ever think that David would have lasted as long as an ice cube on a hot July day on blacktop had he went down there with a sword and with a spear and with a shield and with normal armaments, it would have never happened. If he'd have went in his own strength and his own how-to, it would have never taken place. If he'd have went with conventional weapons to fight Goliath, he would have perished. He would have been defeated. And this is where I want to preach tonight or this morning. 
the enemy would have known how to respond. He'd have known how to deal with him. He'd have known how to fight him and resist him. But David knew that you can confuse the enemy. Hallelujah. How many know, like to know how to? He's been confusing a lot of people. I think it's time we confuse him a little bit. I think it's time that Landmark throw him a curve. I think it's time that we make him scratch his head and ponder what's going on. Hallelujah. What in the world is happening? Hallelujah. Oh, David knew if I go down there in conventional wisdom, I'm going to lose. But i got to go down there yeah, with a total different reliance, and that's not upon weapons and wisdom and past experience, but that is upon the name of the Lord. On his little journey down there, he stops by gets five smooth stones, the scripture says, and I've heard a lot of conjecture on what those five smooth stones represented, and I've heard everything from the name Jesus to uh, that Goliath had five or four brothers, and there was one for for Goliath and four more for his, I've heard all kinds of stuff uh, of why he got those five smooth stones. Let me just let you in on my revelation. I, I think that he had five because if he didn't hit him with the first one, he was just going to come back with a second. And if that didn't work, he was just going to keep on, he was just going to keep on with his slingshot until it worked. Hallelujah. I, I'm going to go out trying. I'm going to go out doing my best. Hallelujah. I don't know what you believe about all of that, but he said, I'm just going to pick up enough to get the job done. And Goliath, uh, you have a sword and you have a spear and you have all of those things, but I, I come to you in the name of the Lord. I don't come to you in a way that you understand and that you know and that you are able uh, to foresee what, what's going to happen and what the future is, but he is confusing his enemy because he comes at him at a totally different angle. And I think it's so important for us. And let me disqualify what I'm saying here this morning as I delve into really the heart of this message. And that is the fact that I think it's important for us to always remember that, that there is a place for habits and routines. And not all habits are bad habits. Oh, I thought I'd get an amen there. You thought I was going to preach against bad habits, and so you've, you've hunkered down a little bit. But I'm going to tell you, I didn't come to preach about bad habits. I'm talking about good habits this morning. There is such a thing as good habits. Prayer is a good habit to get into. Daily prayer is a good habit. Worship when you come to the house of God is a good habit. Faithfulness to the house of God is a good habit. Coming before church and praying early is a good habit to get into. Paying your tithe and giving your offering is a good habit. It's a, it's a habit that will bless you. I said it's a habit that will be good to you if you'll be good to it. Oh, hallelujah. I could, I could preach about some good habits, but there's times that we get such in a routine that we can get in a rut if we're not careful. Yeah. We can wallow a place on a pew until it fits us just right. Amen. We can, we can get in the habit of, uh, of, of just doing the same thing. You know, we are creatures of habit. You wake up in the morning, you, you don't believe that, just take a little rundown of your schedule every day. I know for myself, first thing I do when my feet hit the floor is I run over there to that coffee pot. Mm. 
Nothing better, is there? You got a conviction against coffee? Welcome to the 21st century. Praise God. <laughs> no, I'm not ridiculing anybody's conviction. If you got a conviction against coffee, you, you, I don't want to violate your conviction, but I don't have that yet. I hadn't got as spiritual as you. and not developed that. But I need something to prop me up in the morning. I've tried hard to be a morning person. I get up early. And I try hard. I make promises to myself. Boy, you're going to get out there. You're going to get your lazy hide out there. And you're going to run a mile or two. Or you're going you're gonna to get down at that church at 5 in the morning. And, and, you, and you're going to pray. But you know what? I think God likes to hear me better a little bit later. You're too grumpy at 5 in the morning to talk to me. You come back when you're in a better mood. But then I got to thinking, you know what? You can get up at 4 in the morning and go shimmy up a tree with it 20 degrees outside. Can't seem to make that early morning prayer. I'm going to tell you, when you got a passion for something, you can do it, can't you? That's right. But I hit that coffee pot and I got a little routine that I go through, shave, brush my teeth, and I do it all in the same, about the same order. Grab that comb, start right over here, comb it, and uh, I mean just everything, just just creatures of habit. Get the clothes ironed and get off for the day. And it's basically creatures of habit. We can do that. In a spiritual sense, and that works for us pretty good the majority of the time. But you know, when you're confronted with a big problem, you got a giant in your life. Sometimes you got to break the routine, and you got to step it up a little bit, and you got to go beyond just the norm and the regular. Oh, can I hear you? Where'd my church go? You got to go beyond just what you're used to doing. Hallelujah. Praise God. you got to go into something to, to do the unexpected because, you know, the enemy, he's a studier of our habits and our routines. He goes about as a roaring lion, the Scripture says, seeking whom he may devour. He's studying you. He's tracking you. He's watching you. He's not omniscient in the fact that he knows everything about you, he only knows what you tell him, what you show him, what you reveal to him. He knows our weaknesses by watching our lifestyle, the way that we live, what we succumb to, what we fall to. And so if it's been a problem in the past, that's how he's able to, to develop some kind of scheme and temptation for the future. You know, this, this works with criminology. They, they, they study uh, the activities and the clues that are left behind. You know, the most stealth criminal, he still leaves behind some type of evidence. There's some remnant that he has been there, whether it be, I mean, you just can't hardly keep it from happening. There's a, there's a piece of hair that falls. There's a fleck of blood. There's, there's some type of evidence that is left that, 
that person was there and they tie him to the scene of the crime. But there's also certain manners in which he carries out his crime that they study and this is the routine that he uses. And, and so if he's a, if he's a serial person in crime that he goes back and repeats these crimes over and over again, they study those things and those habits and, and they prepare for the event to happen in the future and that's many times how they're able to catch them and to arrest them. I was reading about Osama bin Laden and uh, how that they were able to, I mean, they studied this man for many years trying to find out exactly the location where he was. They finally found this location where they finally executed him and took him out and they found this safe house where he was staying. They had a person that had been a carrier for him, uh, a trusted messenger, and they began to study the routines and the habits, and and every day he would go out for a certain amount of time and walk around uh, the perimeter uh, of that compound where he was, and, and they knew all of the, they knew the room that he was staying in. They had studied all of these things. So when they went in, there was no guesswork. There was, there was, a certain amount of a certainty that they could get the job done. Can I tell you that the devil is tracking people? The devil is studying people. He's watching people. He's watching our responses. He looks at how we are affected in our attitude and in our spirit and our demeanor when we come to the house of God. He's studying all of those things. Amen. He, he notices all the ones that, that uh, don't, don't, don't come early for prayer and don't, don't do much when it comes to worship. He, he notes that. He notes your attitude towards the preaching of the Word of God. He, he notes your, your attitude towards the house of God and, and how much that you love the house of God and how faithful you are to the house of God. He notes all of those things. He's, he, he, he's got a, a journal of all of those things and how and when and, and when is the perfect time. And there's routines in all of our lives. He knows better than to attack somebody at about 10 o'clock on Sunday night that's a true apostolic. I mean, come on now. They leave on Sunday night, they're on cloud nine. But you wait until about noon on Monday after the boss has got on their back and he came in in a bad mood and hung over and he's griping them out and he's cussing and he's ranting and raving and he's down on their back and, 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 and then after a little while, whatever they got on Sunday tends to wear off. And that's when he makes his ploy for their soul. Can I tell you, that's the tactics that the devil uses. And we need to be aware of the fact that he's looking for the routine. He's looking for that thing that you have, have revealed to him through that scheduled way that you do everything in life. And again, I'm not preaching against good habits, but sometimes we just need to throw the devil a curve. Sometimes we need to come to church and say, you know what, this may not be the appropriate time that I normally do my shouting, but I'm going to worship the Lord and I'm going to give a shout unto God a praise. I've come, and it may not be right now that you got to go to the altar, but I'm not going to wait for the preacher to get the altar call. I'm going to the altar right now. I'm going to believe God that he's going to do a work in my life. 
Sometimes you just got to step out in faith and do something unusual, unexpected. Throw the devil a curse. Say, devil, you come against me with sword and with spear, but I come to you in a different way. I come to you in the name of the Lord. I know you didn't expect me when you come against me, when you attack me, when you challenge me, when you come against my family, when you come against my health, when you come against me emotionally, when you come against me mentally, you expected me just to sit out and take it, but I'm going to get up. I'm going to get up in the name of Jesus. I'm going to shout in the name of Jesus. I'm going to leap for joy in the name of Jesus. I'm going to lift my hands in the name of Jesus. I'm going to get victory in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, let's go ahead and praise him right now. This ain't what you expected. You weren't ready for this devil. I said you weren't ready for this devil. But somebody said, I'm going to do church different. I'm going to step out on this last Sunday of the year and do something I ain't never done before. Matter of fact, we have... Sunday night church on Sunday morning, wouldn't that confuse the devil? Somebody get healed on Sunday morning. Somebody could be delivered on Sunday morning. Somebody could be set free on Sunday morning. Somebody could get their answer on Sunday morning. Wouldn't that confuse the devil? Somebody give me a wave offering right now. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Yeah. Oh, yes. You know, when that feast rolled around every year, everybody came. Everybody went back to the place of worship, the place of Jerusalem. And everybody went through the same money changers that skimmed off the top in their dishonesty. Somebody come dragging up a lamb and it was really perfect. They would nod their head and say, no, that ain't going to work, but we got one that'll work. Buy this one from us. And they'd make them buy that one so they could worship. And there was a, a routine. It was tradition. It was custom. It was a rut. And it happened every year. But the Bible said there was 120 that were gathered up in the upper room. And they got to pray and they said, we need something different. We want a promise to be fulfilled. And they didn't join with the crowd down in the streets. But they got to touching God in that upper room. And the Bible said when the day of Pentecost was fully come. Amen. That suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. This ain't never happened before. Oh, yes, because somebody got out of the routine. 
Can you see the devil saying, I, I didn't expect this. I didn't see this coming. I didn't know this was going to happen. I was expecting ritual. I was expecting routine. I was expecting everybody to do what they traditionally always do. But there was 120 said, we're going to break the ritual. We're going to break out of the routine. We're going to do something unexpected because we need the glory of God to fall. Come on, how bad do you want it this morning? How much do you desire it today? How hungry are you for it? Amen. Why don't you throw your hands in the air right now and let's pray that God would send his power. Oh, let's believe God for his glory to come down. Oh, yes, Lord Jesus. Yes, Lord Jesus. Yes, Lord Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Come on, bind together with somebody. And lift those hands in the air. Bind together somebody. Lift their hand in the air. This year, Landmark, we're going to go further. Do more. Get out of the rut. Get out of the routine. Step out. Do more for God than we've ever done. Be more for Him than we've ever been. Come on, let's believe God. Let's believe God. Let's trust God.